0: So we have arrived at Parashat Noach, the story of Noah, and of course I want to talk about arks. And first we should talk about this ark. There are two words in the Torah that we translate in English as ark. The first is right here Aron. Aron is the word we use for the holy ark and a synagogue. And it's also the word we use for the Ark of the Covenant that the Israelites carried through the wilderness. It's also used in the Torah for Joseph's coffin. And we use it today for any coffin. The other word for Ark is Teva, teva. The word Teva is used only in two cases in the Torah, once to describe Noah's Ark, and once to describe the basket in which Moses floats on the Nile. An aron is used to carry revered uh, is used to carry revered objects that cannot carry themselves. Stones and bones. A teva is used to save life, breath, flesh, and blood, animals, and children. These two arcs are both sacred, but they're not the same. One connotes the sacredness of stillness, and the other the sacredness of life in motion. So what God instructs Noah to build at the beginning of our parasha is a teva, a sanctuary for life, a large, the tradition tells us, a box-like floating structure, no way to steer, into which Noah is to gather his family as well as examples of every living creature on Earth. God is bringing a great flood and wants Noah's family to be the reset team, the people who are going to start the world's ecology again. Midrash adds to the enormity of this task by imagining Noah and his wife and his sons and his sons' wives frantically running around the ark, trying to feed every animal on Earth what it needs to eat. According to Genesis Rabbah, a rabbinic midrash collection, no one knows which animal has to be fed at the second hour of the day and which at the third hour of the night. In a Talmudic legend in Tractate Sanhedrin, the phoenix on the ark doesn't request a meal because it doesn't want to bother this obviously harried and busy Noah. And this is why the phoenix lives for a thousand years and is reborn out of its own ashes. It is a reward of eternal life because of the kindness the Phoenix showed to Noah, sparing the exhausted Ark keepers from more work. Tradition gives the name of Noah's wife as Naama, In a modern midrash by Rabbi Sandy Eisenberg Sasso, while Noah is out collecting animals for the Ark, Naama goes out to gather seeds from every plant so that they, too, can be saved from destruction. I can picture Nama on my head very vividly because I watched my mother save tomato seeds. Do you have any idea how hard it is to save tomato seeds? They are so tiny and squishy. Uh, but Nama you know, goes out and takes dandelion seeds and all those seeds. And I also can picture her very vividly because in our time, there are actual seed arcs just like this one that Sandy Eisenberg Sasso imagines for Naama. Like the Svalbard Global Seed Vault, which is inside a sandstone mountain on a Norwegian island. Doesn't that sound like a place Noah could have stopped the Svalbard Global Seed Vault? This seed bank exists to protect protect our ecological diversity so that the varieties of plant that we are losing due to our poor farming practices can be, uh, and climate change can be renewed at a later time in history. And according to Parshat Noah, the first seed banker is God, who seems to have decided that the current e- ecology, physical and ethical, is not working. But the story tells that God wants us to save what exists and give it a new ecosystem to thrive in. There are a lot of complexities in this story, but one thing we might learn from God's request that Noah build this ark is that God values not only life, but the diversity of life. Neo-Hasidic ecotheologian Rabbi David Seidenberg, in his reading of Maimonides, says that God delights in living through as many different creatures as possible. Because life looks different from the robin's point of view and from the worm's point of view, right, and from the firefly's point of view that each being gives God a different window into what it feels like to be alive. So extinction, in a sense, is removal of a window on God's world. And the Midrash intuits this. There's a wonderful Midrash. You know about the raven and the dove, right? Noah releases a raven, and the raven doesn't come back. Right? So Noah releases a dove. So the Midrash says that Noah releases this raven, the raven is very annoyed. Because you see, Noah saved 14 doves, but only two ravens. So the raven says to Noah, you're wasting a raven. You could have used a dove. And in annoyance, the raven doesn't come back. So Noah gets this lesson in sustainability, and he picks a dove next time. So the message of this teva seems to be that life is precious and needs care, needs to be treated with reverence, just like what we keep in this kind of ark. But there's another meaning to the word Teva, ark, one that Hasidic thinkers emphasize and I know that Rabbi David has told you about. In rabbinic Hebrew, Teva also means word. Isn't that great? The word is an ark. The word is container for life in motion. When we speak of moments of our lives and stories or share memories with loved ones, we save moments that we might have lost. We save whole ecologies of our existence that we might have forgotten. Words are so powerful, and maybe that's why our ancestors imagined that God created the world world through words, as we heard just last week. Speaking creates worlds. When we choose to speak sustainable words, life-sustaining words, we end up with a different world than we do when we choose to speak words that are constricting words that separate. Speech, like any other spiritual practice, requires consciousness. So this image of the ark also invites us to consider what life we want our words to carry. And the Baal Shem Tov applies this teaching specifically to prayer and pulls out this phrase from our story where God says, make it sohar for the ark. Now No one knows what a sohar is. The tradition says it's a a jewel that glows. You know, it's like a, I don't know, a divine iPod. You know, it's like a flashlight. But it probably means a window. Put a window in the ark. And that's how it's usually translated, as a window or skylight. And the Baal Shem Tov says this. Think of the Ark of Noah as the words of prayer. Make a window for the ark means let the words, uh, words of prayer be a window through which you can see to the ends of the earth. The window is the light in the ark of the word. Speak the word in such a way that the light can come through it. So the Baal Shem Tov is teaching us that when God tells Noah to make a window for the ark, we should read this to say that we want the words of prayer, maybe all words, to be transparent to the light that comes through them, to our divine connection, our human connection. And not only that, but our prayer should be a window onto the world. Prayer should be a deepening of the experience of living, not an escape from the experience of living, but a deepening of the experience of living. Prayer should invite us to open to what is. If prayer is an ark, then its words keep alive feelings and experiences we might have lost and awaken in us what has been dormant. It's as if inside us is the Svalbard global seed vault. When we're deeply in prayer, anything inside us, even something ancient and dried out, can begin growing. Even something thousands of years old might sprout. So part of having a prayer practice like the one we have practiced so beautifully tonight is letting the word sprout inside us so that the new can arise. I'm particularly alive to this teaching tonight because I have really felt it from so many of you as we have moved through the high holidays, through Sukkot and through Simchat Torah. We've been praying in front of this kind of ark, and our own. But we've been arked too. In the prayer and the silence and the reflection, in the dance and the song and the running after children, in the teaching, in the conversations, Each of us has been a teva, an ark, carrying some precious potential to open, to create new blessing in the lives of others and ourselves. So as the autumn falls upon us, I'm looking forward to seeing how we, together, can find ways to use our words, our words of prayer, and our words to one another. To nourish and sustain our world. Elohei HaRuchot, God of breath and spirit and time and space. Elohei HaKeshet, God of the rainbow, who shows us all the colors that are possible. Grant us the blessing to be holy arks, that we be among those whose words and deeds revive and restore life. Shabbat shalom.